Good morning, everyone. Good morning, those that are watching online. Glad that you're here and glad to have my family with me. My mom, my dad, and my aunts and uncles and cousins and I, the whole group. So I'm glad they've traveled up here to get me. <laughs> so I'm glad they've come this way. But we're, we're glad to be here. Thank you, uh, Richard and Matt and Sandra, for leading us in that time. Remember, at New Horizon, our mission is to uh, bring glory to God by loving Him uh, the most, by loving others as Christ has loved us, and by making disciples of all nations. Our vision is to have a clear pathway for people to become all that God uh, intended them to be. And we believe that happens when we live in community together. Our values are love, grace, truth, and growth. And let me define what we mean when we say our value is love. See, at New Horizon, we, uh, we value love because God is love. And He first loved us. We desire to grow in love of God and love of men. We will seek to demonstrate the unconditional, excellent, and relentless love that God shows us. We will also seek to be sacrificial and give all of ourselves to being a light to the world so that through our love they may know God, come to a saving faith in Jesus Christ, and love Him as their greatest treasure. Our value of love. Today, uh, the title of today's message is Jesus is Worth It Because Jesus is Better. We've been in that title for a long time, haven't we? We're getting there, uh, coming to the end of Hebrews, but we're in chapter 11, beginning in verse 32, going through chapter 12, verse 3 this morning. So look with me at, at, at these verses. Look with me at verses 32 um, through 35 with me. He said, and what more shall we say? The writer has just listed off all these writers of faith, right? All these people who lived out faith and they've done all these incredible things. And then he says, what more shall we say for time would fail me? He said, I'm running out of time. I don't know why he would have been running out of time writing this letter, but he was running out of time uh, to tell of Gideon and Barak and Samson and Jephthah, of David and Samuel and the prophets. Who through faith conquered kingdoms and enforced justice, obtained promises and stopped the mouths of lions. Quenched the power of the fire, escaped the edge of the sword, were made strong out of weakness, became mighty in war, put foreign armies to flight, and women received back their dead by the resurrection. Let me just kind of put some names to this. Gideon led a small army, remember, very small, to a great victory. Barak defeated 900 chariots of fire. Samson defeated the Philistines. Jephthah was a mighty warrior. David was God's king. Samuel spoke for God as a judge and a prophet. Daniel, Samson, and David stopped the mouths of lions. And the Hebrew boy's faith quenched fire. Elijah seen the dead raised. See, this group of people trusted God and he did mighty deeds through them. They were strong out of weakness and the Holy Spirit enabled them to accomplish mighty deeds. But then when you look at this next group, it doesn't look as exciting. It doesn't look as fun. It doesn't look as if that's the path we'd want to go down. 
But when we look in verses 35 through 38, look at what he says. He says, some were tortured, refusing to accept release so that they might rise again to a better life. Others suffered mocking and flogging and even chains and imprisonment. They were stoned. They were sawn in half and two. They were killed with a sword. They went about in skins of sheep and goats, destitute, afflicted, mistreated, of whom the world was not worthy, wandering about in deserts and mountains, in dens and in caves on the earth. Let me share just a few things with you about this passage. To be tortured was to be strapped to a rock or to a stump and beaten to death. This is exactly how Jeremiah died. Mocked and flogged, Jeremiah experienced. Chains and imprisonment, Jeremiah also experienced. Stoned to death, Zechariah. Sawn in half, Isaiah. Killed with a sword, dressed in skins of sheep and goats, destitute, afflicted, mistreated, wandered about in mountains and dens. God's people may suffer in the present, but they will have glory in the future. They may suffer in the present, but have glory in the future as we think about this suffering i want you to look at something that paul wrote about suffering in philippians 3 verses 8 through 10 says indeed i count everything as loss because of the surpassing worth of knowing christ jesus my lord for his sake i have suffered the loss of all things and I count them as rubbish in order that I may gain and be found in Him. Not having a righteousness of my own that comes from the law, but that which comes through faith in Christ. Remember we're talking about men and women who live by faith. But that which comes through faith in Christ, the righteousness from God that depends on faith. Look at verse 10. That I may know Him. The power of His resurrection. That's the mighty deeds, right? And I may share His sufferings becoming like Him in His death. You see, I would say to us tonight, we've seen two groups of people. People who were doing by faith led them to do mighty deeds. And their faith also not only led them to do mighty deeds, but led them to have hope and to continue in a time of suffering. The reality is, is you and I are sitting here in this trip and we say, how do I get picked for the other team? I don't want to go down the path of suffering. I don't want to, I don't want to suffer the way that some are. I want, to, I want to go down a path where mighty things are happening. But when you look at these men's life, there's not one path or the other. Both mark faith. What do I mean by that? When we have faith, there will be deeds that will be done in our life that would not be explained by anything other than God doing them. 
When we have faith, we will also suffer in ways that you can never imagine. It's not a it's not a either or. It's one path, and we're all on it. And there's going to be deeds, and there's going to be suffering. And everybody said, I'm glad I came this morning. Well, I've not said anything that you know that's not true, right? That is of reality. And we know that because we've all experienced and gone down that road. But before we begin looking further in this passage, I want to remind us and review for just a moment about faith that was found in chapter 11. Faith in review. Remember, faith is certain about the future. It, it, it hopes for what has not yet happened. Faith is certain about the past. It believes what it has not seen. Faith is certain because its object is God who determined the past and determines the future. This is what faith is. Faith does what is right. Faith lives in relationship with God. Faith obeys God when it makes no sense. Faith goes not knowing where. Faith trusts God for what is impossible for man. Faith lives with an eternal perspective. Faith loves sacrificially. Faith is not the absence of fear, but faith trumps fear. Faith says no to the world. Faith believes when it does not make sense. Faith does great deeds. Faith has hope in a time of suffering. I will ask us this morning, are we people of faith? Did you see yourself in that list? Did you see yourself in that being lived out? Are we people of faith? Look at verses 39 and 40 with me. And all these, though commended through their faith, did not receive what was promised. So we've got all these that I've just spoken about were commended by their faith, but had not yet received the promise, which means they didn't get to see the Messiah. They didn't get to see Jesus arrive. They didn't get to feel and experience the work of the Holy Spirit in their life. But yet they died believing, having been commended. So they were commended based on looking forward to the promised Messiah Christ. Verse 40, look at it. Since God had provided something better for us. Let me remind New Horizon that because we live in a day that we get to experience salvation in a way of new creation. A work of the Spirit in our hearts and our lives. You and I live in the best days. We do not live in the worst days. We live in the best days. Now watch, was better for us that apart from us, they should not be made perfect. Would you get this? So they were commended because they looked forward to the cross. You and I are commended because we look back 
to the cross. We look back to what Christ has done. But if we have looked back to the promise and we've received and we're people of faith, what does this mean for our lives? We begin to see that in chapter 12, verses 1 through 3. And this is where I want us to spend our time today. Therefore, looking back. Therefore is looking back in 12.1. 12.1. There we go. There. Therefore. Therefore, since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses... Hang on, Mallory, stay right back there. Let's take this verse one bit at a time. Therefore, since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, we're looking back, right? We're looking back to Abel. We're looking back to Enoch. We're looking back to Noah. We're looking back to Abraham and Isaac and Jacob and Joseph and Moses and Rahab and Barak and Gideon and Jephthah and Samson. David, we're looking back to all them that did mighty deeds and all of them that suffered. We're looking back to them. Why are we looking back to them? We're surrounded by a cloud of witnesses that what? <clears throat> that are saying to us, keep going. That are saying to us, don't quit the race. Don't stop. But keep running. They're like this. If you think about it. These cloud of witnesses. As we look back to them. As we see what all they suffered. We can look back in our life. And when we're running this race. And when we might fall down. And we might trip. And we might stumble. Listen we've got a cloud of witnesses. That's saying with everything within them. Don't give up. Get back up. Keep running. Keep going. It's worth it. It's worth it all the way. Even if you're sawn in half. Even if you're beaten to death. Even if you die by the sword. It's worth it to keep going. All of them are shouting to us. All of them are there wanting us. <clears throat> they continue to run. Let's look at that at the end of that verse. We are running a race, guys. We are running a race. Should be the first slide, Mallory. I know I've got you out of order. Should be one more. We're running a race. Yeah, that's it. We are running a race. Hebrews 12.1. Let us run with endurance the race that is set before us. Can we spend some time right here just looking at this? First of all, do you notice that he didn't say to meander, to stroll, to jog, to skip, or to walk? He said for us to what? Why do we run? Because running is very what? Intentional. If you think about running, 
Listen, a life of faith is described as a demanding, grueling effort. The reality is, is I'm afraid that the church in America is calling people to a faith that is of pleasure and joy and do what you want. When the scripture causes us to a faith that is a grueling effort that we must put forth the right. But this is what I know. I'm not a runner. I might halfway be considered a hiker. I don't even know if I'd consider myself a hiker. Halfway. But these guys that run. Bill Jones is one of those that runs. You know what I know about people who run? I want you to think about this. They have great joy when they run, they release their mind when they run. And if they don't get opportunities to run, they get agitated. Is that true, Bill? <laughs> See, it is true. I worked with a runner who would absolutely schedule his vacation around his run times. He had to run. It was a part of his life. It was a part of what he needed. Runners. And so would you think about that with me? If the life of faith is also something we're running, wouldn't it be true that we are not satisfied to watch the race? But we must participate in the race to have joy. We can't stand on the sidelines, but we must be running. We must know our purpose. And we must get in and we must join the race and we must run. To really have joy and to really have contentment and to really have peace in our life comes from running the race. Otherwise, you're like a group of we, let me say we are like a group of hound dogs that lay under a porch and they have no purpose and they have no reason and they have nothing. And what happens as they lay around and lay around that porch and underneath that porch, they become agitated with each other. <clears throat> they become frustrated with each other and they begin to bite at each other and bark at each other and snap at each other until when? Until the animal that they're chasing comes running by. And then they all have the same purpose. And they're what? Running. As you and I try to lay and lounge under the porch. And not be active in our faith running. This is what we will begin to do. Argue and fight and fuss and pick at each other. We must run this race. We must get in and go. So he says to run with endurance. It is a steady determination to keep going. We can begin running the race, but at some point we want to quit. Runners, 
That, that, that whole row, all the runners are on that one row, by the way. <laughs> they're all there. <laughs> so, so, so runners, they, there, there's also this. Tell me if this is not true, runners. There's also a wall when you're running a long race that, you're th that there's that wall that you just want to quit. You don't want to go another step. But if you'll press through that wall, it gets easier. Is that true, Bill? Somewhere along the way, I hope he's saying yes on purpose and he's not making me out to be an idiot because I'm not a runner. Just trying to get some rounding points. That's fair. But in the Christian faith, there is always going to be many walls that you and I are going to say, I'm done. I don't want to continue this. Nobody told me it was going to be this hard. Nobody told me it was going to be this difficult. Nobody told me it was going to be like this. And I don't want a part of this. And we begin to quit. We begin to drop out. And we don't finish the race. So he calls us to run with endurance. Now watch this. We're running with endurance a race that is set before us. Watch this. I can't run Bill's race. Bill can't run my race. I can't run Josh's race. I can't run Alan's race or David's or Mark's. I can't run Cheyenne's race. I have to run the race that God sets before me. I can't run somebody else's. Listen, I, I, I want you... Wives, you can't run your husband's race. Husbands, you can't run your wife's race. Parents, you can't run your child's race. It is personal between us and God. And nobody can run the race that's set before us but us. I can't run it for you. You've got to run your own race. Now. He gives us now three things. That we need to run this race. First one we've already talked about. But let's go back there. Mallory, since I messed you up. We need fans. Listen to me when I say this. When the scripture talks about this. When he talks about, therefore, since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, we need fans. We don't need people that's not done it fanning our flame. We don't need people who's not running the race. Say, that's a good job, Chris. Keep going. That's not what we're looking for. We're not looking for a bunch of UT fans telling a bunch of guys who are expert at their job how to do it. What we need is fans who's finished their race already. We look back to them. We look back to these that are in this chapter. We look back to my grandfather. We look back to Jim Wilcox. We look back to those who finished the race well. And we say, man, they never gave up. So why would I quit now? They never stop, so why am I going to stop? They must have hit the same wall that I've hit, but I've got to press through. 
We need fans, but not fans. It's not done. And I love Dave Ramsey said, you never ask a poor person about money. You don't let them make a budget for you. You let somebody who knows how to handle money make a budget for you. Right? I don't need somebody who's not running the race to tell me how to run the race. I need to look at somebody who's ran the race so I can see how they've done it to finish the race I'm on. I need the encouragement from them. We need fans. Number two, we need to free ourselves from luggage or baggage. Or luggage. Or whatever you want to call. Let's look at it. There's two different things. In this, in this verse 1 that continues to say. Let us also lay aside every weight. I want to talk to you about the weight. <clears throat> I don't believe the weight here is the same as sin. I believe it's two different things. He says weight and sin. As we're running a race, Bill, when you run a race, do you wear hiking boots? Do you wear blue jeans? Why not? <laughs> They're not good for the race, are they? They won't they will load you down. Listen, is there anything wrong with hiking boots? Is there anything wrong with blue jeans? I'm kind of a blue jean kind of pastor guy. Is there anything wrong with them? No, but, it's a, but it may be a weight that needs to go in your life in order for you to run the race more freely that God has set before you. So you begin to think about what are the weights in my life that are an issue that I'm carrying that just keeps me from running more freely. Is it stuff? You all know that I just moved. Well, maybe some of y'all don't know. Somebody said, I didn't know you moved. But anyway, I just moved over to Davis Chapel six months ago in January. And, and literally Habitat for Humanity brought a truck up there and took a whole truckload of stuff to their store before I moved. And I took just a few things over. And yesterday I was cleaning up and organizing. I was looking around. I was looking around. And I was saying... Where's all this stuff come from? I don't understand where all this stuff comes from. We ought to have to move every three months so we could get rid of stuff. We ought to be forced because we just continue. We just continue to gather more and more stuff. And more and more stuff becomes a weight in our life. But we just continue with it. Stuff, Right? So think about not only stuff, but think about good things that you spend your time on. Oh, there's so many needs, right? There's so much stuff. And you're like, I got to do everything. I got to do everything. I got to do everything. I feel like I got to do everything. But the reality is, is we can be taking on stuff. That really is somebody else's race. And we need to be evaluating and saying, God, what am I taking on that I don't need to be taking on so that I can run this race more freely? 
And I can finish this race the way you want me to. So I have to really seek God and evaluate. What am I adding? What am I taking? Listen. Maybe practically this is me and a brother in our church right now are doing this right now. We're really looking at our schedules and we're using what he calls. It's his thing, but I'm kind of adopting it. An 80-20 deal. Like 20% of the time has got to be for me and flex time. And, and if I'm filling up that 80%. And then I'm getting into my 20% with stuff that's going to be reoccurring. That's not just, I can use flex time for stuff that comes up out of the way. But to, but, but to just continue to fill it up with stuff that ought to be in the 80% time. I've got to really think about my schedule and say, what am I doing? Now that may not be what you want to do. But me and a brother in church are looking at this 80-20 and saying, man, how am I setting my schedule? How am I doing that? Now, then look at the next part of this verse. No, 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 no. Oh, hey, she's going to get fired today. It's oh, bad. <laughs> and sin which clings so closely. Sin which clings so closely. The ideal is, is, is that I think the New King James uses the word that it ensnares you. The ideal is that you're running a race. I, I, I know, I, I keep using you, Bill. I can't help it because you're a runner. But I've seen you running on the woods loop at Cove Lake. And I know in the woods loop at Cove Lake, there's some places that the pavements broke up because the roots have come through. Boy, and if you're not paying attention to... That hurts, don't it? That hurts. When that, when that root grabs you and you hit the ground, you fall. Listen, this is what sin does. That's what he's asking. He says, what is the sin that reaches up and trips you? What is the sin that grabs you and causes you to fall? What is the sin that continues? He said, we got to set this thing aside. Why? Because you're running a race, but you can't run a race because you keep getting tripped by the same sin. How to deal with that. So we're getting rid of our luggage, but now also number three, and I'm coming to the end. We need... A finish line. Macy run a bunch of. I, I, these girls run all kinds of races right. There's one thing it's bad ain't it. When you don't know where the finish line is. Well I can't imagine that there would be anything worse than that right. We need to know where the finish line is. How far I am away from it. I need to know the finish line. Look at what he says about the finish line. Looking to Jesus. Listen. 
We're running a race. We're in a coliseum. We're running a race. Listen, we have, a- we have Abel and Enoch and Noah and Abraham and Sarah and Isaac and Jacob and Joseph and Moses and Rahab. And we have all these guys in the stand who've gone before us. My papa and listen, my grandparents, my, my uh, Jim Wilcox. We have all these that have gone before us that have run a race saying, keep going, keep running, keep finishing, keep going going we've got that but we're running the race looking to the finish line we're not looking to them they're cheering us on because they've already finished but we're looking to Jesus he is the finish line now watch this If you're looking to Jesus as the finish line and he's the prize and you're looking to him because he's the prize, the treasure, I can imagine on a long race that you're saying, man, that's the best line I ever seen in my life. Ain't a better place than that place right there to get to the finish. When every time I hike Mount Leconte, there ain't anything better than sitting on that rock at the top. It's like, oh, I'm finally here. (laughs) I finally have arrived to get to that rock and see it. He's looking to Jesus, right? Because he's the prize and the treasure and he's all that I long for. Listen, this is the place where the Hebrew writer has been taking us to. And he's better. He's better than any stuff we can gather, any time we can spend. He's better than any sin that trips us up. He's better than everything else. So we keep looking to Him because He's better. And as we're looking to Him, we're suffocating our sin. And we're evaluating ourselves. And we're not feeding our sin. And we're not collecting more stuff in time. But we're looking to Him. Because he's the treasure. He's the one that we want. The one we desire. Look at what it says about it now. You got to see this. The founder and perfecter of our faith. Your translation might say the author and finisher of our faith. This is the ideal. If you and I have faith this morning, it's because Jesus has started and gave that to you. Do you realize that faith is not something you and I have? Faith is something you and I have received. He is the author, the founder, the author, the beginner. But now watch. He's also the perfecter and the finisher. Which means what? Which means that this this Christ, this race that we're in, God is writing your story. You say, I don't like my story. Well, you ain't got to the end yet. You're going to like it when you finish. You're going to like it when you finish. The author. And he's perfecting. And he's finishing. Which means what? That he is carrying us and getting us to where we need to be. Now I know. I know that you're sitting there. And you're saying... I thought, I thought that we, what's our part? If Jesus is the author, if Jesus is the finisher, if he's the completer, the perfecter, the founder, and everything in between, then what's our part? Our part is to continue to believe and trust him. 
when it doesn't make sense. To do right when it doesn't make sense. To obey Him when it doesn't make sense. To believe Him when it's impossible for man. To continue running the race. Looking to Him to finish and complete. And then it, what does it say? Who for the joy that was set before Him endured the cross. Despising the shame. And seated at the right hand of the throne of God. Look at verse 3 with me. Consider Him who endured from sinners such hostility against Himself. So that you may not grow weary or faint hearted. Consider Him who endured. So I'll ask you this morning two questions. How is your faith race? Are you still running? Or did you get out? Are you still running? Or did you quit? Second thing I'll ask you. Not only about the faith race. But I'll ask you. Maybe you've not got out. But maybe you're discouraged. And maybe you're struggling. Where are we going to look back to. When we're discouraged and struggling. We're going to look back to Jesus. Who endured. And settled. And finished the race. For the joy that was before him. New Horizon. Family. Will you keep going. Keep running the race. If you've slowed down. If you're not where you used to be. Will you pick up again? Will you keep going again? Let's have a time of meditation and quietness. As the worship team makes their way here. And ask yourself about your faith race. Ask yourself if you're running. Ask yourself if you're looking to Him. Ask yourself if you need encouragement. Father, we come before you this morning, Father. Father, we're not standing on this podium looking to our people that we love and saying, let some stuff go without first us evaluating our life and saying, how do I organize? And we've been doing that for a couple of weeks, Father. Father, also, Father, we're not standing here telling them to stop the sin when we're sinful just as they are. 
Father, we're in this together and we're asking you, Father, this morning to let us lay aside those things, Father, that's hindering our race. Father, help us bring repentance in our life of sin that keeps tripping us up. Father, and above everything else, let us run this race, not walk or meander. Let us run looking to you, Father, looking to Jesus, the author and finish of our faith, trusting him to finish what he completed. Father, we love you. And we honor you in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, let's stand and sing and worship with the worship team. If you'd like to come and pray, you can come and pray. If you want to come and talk with me, I'm available to talk with you.
David came with a broken heart and brokenness because his enemy kept coming against him over and over and he would cry out to God for salvation, for refuge. And that's how our race is. There is that wall where it's like this has been happening for so long and I don't know if I can take this anymore. But God, I do look back at the heroes of faith in the Bible and they kept pressing on and you were always there for them time and time again. And I look back in my own life at those times where I didn't think I could keep going. But he was there for me time and time again. He has never failed. The same God that was back then during the time of David is the same God now. So if you've hit a wall, cry out to your God this morning. He's waiting to hear from you and to deliver you again. I'm calling on the God of Jacob whose love endures through generations. I know that you will keep your covenant. I'm calling on the of Moses, the one who opened up the ocean. I need you now to do the same thing for you. Oh God, my God, I need you. Oh God, my God, I Calling on the God of David. 
We take communion every week. Most people say, I've never seen that done in the Baptist church. I know. That's okay. 
But if you're here and you're not a part of our church or you're a part of another denomination, if you've entered into that covenant, that belief in Christ, and you look to Him for your Savior, you're free to take communion here. But you say, why would you take communion every week? Because it reminds us every week that we need Him. You see, if we are prideful that week in our works and in our deeds and in our good stuff, we can think sometimes, I don't need the cross. I'm good. God ought to accept me as I am. Or you could have a really bad week and you could think you're not worthy of God. And God say the cross is for you too. So we take communion believing that in remembrance of what He did for us. Man, we take with giving worth to our Father what He's accomplished for us. On the night that He was betrayed, you open up that little bitty piece of... and you take the bread said on the night that he was betrayed he took the bread and he broke it wow and he said take and eat for this is my body and on that same night he took the wine he blessed it and he said take and drink for this is the blood of the new covenant shed for you and I love what he said next. He said, and I won't do this again until we do it together in my kingdom. Take and drink. Let's celebrate this last song. Be your name on the road marked with 